Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio. And because our documentary episode a few years, a couple years back got so much traction, we're going to do it again. We're, we are uh, we're pocketing this one, folks. So who knows what's going to be happening in the world when you actually finally hear it. They could have solved this whole COVID thing. Trump could just be in the presidency because, you know, that Pennsylvania state senator decided to act in sedition and is that a thing that's being talked about he's he's talking about trying to convince the senate an actual sitting state senator is like i just gotta convince the state senate and the state house to have their electors support trump uh i mean that would be unprecedented and would be like uh that could happen that's like sedition stuff so you never know I mean, it looked like it was going to happen. They, they, these people talk a good game, and then, like the governor is like, "Yeah, we're going to try you for treason." No, you know what happens? You it's, know what's fun is that Donald Trump just said that we can have the firing squad. You know, you know what happens is John Fetterman stands up, and everyone, and all the people in Pennsylvania are like, "Whoa, never mind." Yeah, yeah, yeah. that guy could crack a lot of schools. He, but then, after the schools are cracked, they would have their health care paid for because John Fetterman's a pretty stand-up dude. That's true. That's true. Anyway, anyways, yes, <laughs> I mean, doing, it fits. It fits. Yeah. We're talking about some political documentaries this year. All political documentaries. Are there any episode. such things as non-political documentaries in 2020? I mean, athlete A got close. I mean, Ish. that's somewhat no, political. I guess. Like, no, because that's like the government. Oh, right, because like the like, sex scandal. Yeah, so. There probably is. There might be one. The Last Dance. American Utopia, do we count? No, that's a concert film. Um, the Last yeah. Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. Oh, yeah. That's, that's... Well, not a movie, though. It's not eligible for, for Oscars. It isn't? No. Did the O.J. Simpson one win an Oscar? It did because that showed in theaters. All of it? Uh, yeah. But that was very yeah, they did it in like um like in one sitting. No, they one sitting. They think they Ed showed Pants. it in like chunks. Yeah, like the Shia LaBeouf experience. <laughs> um, which I always I'm sad that I was not eligible. But we are today. being political. All of our podcast, all of our podcasts, our podcasts, all of our podcasts are political. Yeah. Um. No, all of our documentaries are political, and we are doing a beer today. Uh, you know, we usually don't do beers for our special episodes, but. You know, we decided that we were going to do a beer because this is actually a r- update, a, a yearly release mm. of a beer we talked about previously on the podcast. Do not remember which episode because I'm terrible at research. It was the um, episode that we did the Luke's the the Force Awakens on. Does it? Okay. Yeah. Wow, wow, that's a Force Awakens. You mean Rise of Skywalker? Rise of Skywalker. Force Awakens. <laughs> I was like, we did not do this podcast in 2015. Uh, but it is Imperial Stout Trooper, the 2020 edition, and it's political because the Stormtrooper has a mask on his yeah, face yeah, yeah. now. I'll take a picture Properly of worn mask, too. He's doing good. He's doing a good knows. job. Which is... Uh, the, the, one, the one problem is, aren't these, like, aren't these breathing holes over here? Yeah, so he's got to get a little bigger. Yeah, he's yeah, got to get a Joe Biden-sized mask. Yeah. Um, 9.5%. Right. I Jesus don't know what's the difference with this. Oh, man. Just look at, look at that. I got a head coming out of there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is this sure. is creamier than before. Just like I remember. 
It's creamier, I think. But it tastes... It's got this, like... It's got the similar taste, but it's more chocolatey. This is much more of a milkshake than previous years. I'll say this about the Imperial Whoa. Stout Chopper. And this is it's not... so good. Yeah. This is not, like, to toot New England's horn, because even Maybe though... we do enough of that. Even though we've tweeted at them a number of times, they've never said anything to us. When even though I've beer? mentioned it in their brew room before like the fucking world shut down and in the line at the pickup thing like i do a podcast we're going to talk about this they've never said anything to when us When you make beer this good do you need to talk about it no but i'm just saying that like we don't owe them this oh, comment yeah. that i'm going to make Got it. but this is kind of like we've had a lot of stouts on this thing and they mess around with the stouts and if they're not messing like around pancake stout just they do some stuff they put some flavors in they put the extra milk in blah 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 this is just stout, and it's fucking excellent. Yeah. It just tastes like a stout should taste. It feels like how a stout should feel. Um, Full-bodied stout is what they say. I don't even think that goes to cover it. Full-bodied. No. It's like, this is a this is a Christina Hendricks of a stout. <laughs> <laughs> well, that segues into our first documentary. Uh, that's a Christina Hendricks documentary <laughs> produced the, by the Christina Hendricks. political documentary there is. <laughs> Uh, no, the first documentary we're talking about came out in September uh, on Prime Video. Did two of our uh, things today came out on Prime Video. One came out on Hulu. Uh, it is the Stacey Abrams uh, kind of biography plus uh, the documentary about voter suppression all in the fight for democracy. When we started as a country... Six percent of people were eligible to vote. There are still forces that are determined to keep citizens from voting. Unless we fight for the right to vote, our democracy is put at risk. The fight over voting rights is ultimately about power. The states have figured out how to stop African Americans, Hispanics, Asian Americans, the young and the poor from voting. History is never a straight line. It's always a fight. I will not concede because the erosion of our democracy is not right. We try to make history. The vote matters. You belong. You have value. Uh, told with the backbone of the Stacey Abrams campaign for governor of Georgia in 2018 and using um, kind of her biography growing into her position of voting against, uh, voting against, of uh, rallying against voter suppression mm -hmm. and um, helping to uh, increase the... Su Suffrage would suffrage be the correct the correct term? I wouldn't say suffrage the franchise the, the franchise the, the, yeah. the franchisement of voters. Uh, All in details kind of the history of racial uh, voter suppression throughout America's prolific experience with we love suppression. suppressing votes based yeah. on race, um, and eventually culminates in the fact that Stacey Abrams' opponent Brian Kemp, America's favorite governor, um. Not Donald the, Trump's favorite governor. Yeah, was the Secretary of State of Georgia during this very election and happened to purge 
uh, the votes of hundreds of thousands of people and ended up only winning by tens of thousands of votes. And he's going to burn in hell and that's going to be great. Um, even though I don't necessarily believe in hell. But, you know, there's there's a hell for some people. And Brian yeah, Kemp's going to go perfect, there. Perfect. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's basically it. I don't know. I don't want to do a lot of like... I think the last movie... We could do a, a, a decent description of, but I think that, that, there's that's not a lot. To, there's it. not a lot yeah. to do here, and I think that's one of the, my, my problems with it. Is not I, not that I have any problems with it. I'm 100 percent fully support everything that it's, it's talking about. It's very journeyman, though. It's it's just uh, it's it's like one of those books that gets released before like somebody runs for office, and you're just kind of like the book is written by that person and it's just kind of like a general telling of their life but with like this overarching message attached to it i think the 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 best thing that can be said for this is that stacy abrams has since this film came out and since 2018 has become now with like georgia turning blue and all this other stuff. She's become then becoming the center now of the political world in ab- america absolutely she has become like we the two focal giant point. pieces of shit running against a child and Ralph Warnick. Guys, John Ossoff's 33. I'm 34. Doesn't matter. I feel so small. Doesn't matter. But vote John Ossoff. Yeah, you have to vote John Ossoff. Um, I guess you don't have to, but no, you no, should. No, you have to. And if you, if you don't want to, just, you know, boycott the vote. Yep, boycott the vote. Brian Kemp has pro-people boycotting the vote. Boycott the vote. Um... It's fine. I agree with everything that's in it. I just it's one of those things where like I didn't really need to watch this big movie to it's like it was like the bringing down the house documentary. Like I was like I, I'm for all this ish. Like this is not serving it just serves me who already believes in it. Like I I, I, I you know. I can see yeah and, and I agree. Um I my biggest problem with this I I, I kind of wish it would come out in 2 years instead of now. Um <laughs> When Stacey Abrams can just fucking roll tide over, that's an Alabama reference, but whatever, over uh, she Brian She can do Kemp. that too. Merge yeah. him and then fucking yeah. she can rule them both. Yeah, that's fine. They're neighboring states, right? Are they right? touching? Yeah, yeah Mississippi, Mississippi, Alabama, I always confuse because those states don't matter. We're very good at geography. Um, no, I'm good at geography. I'm not good at geography on states that suck. Um, <laughs> Take that. I don't fucking care. Um... But yeah, I I, I think I, I agree with you in the sense that it's it's very much a journeyman documentary. It's mm-hmm. kind of doing having all those story beats. Uh, I don't think there's anything that particularly stands out outside of you know Stacey Abrams like personal story. Uh, even that isn't necessarily interesting. I'm I'm sick of the upper third talking heads, mm. and that's like so prevalent with Eric Holder, where it's just like Eric Holder sitting at a desk, yep, an actual size desk, not a tiny desk. Yeah, what's with the tiny desk? I don't know. Well, I'm talking about the Donald Trump. I know That's why. Okay. I don't get it. Maybe he had a concert. And he had he also looked play. like he was falling over. Yeah, he was just kind of like holding on to it. He probably was. Also, well, I mean, I could, I could say that my this, this I, episode's gonna get derailed so many times. Sure, my wife and my daughter watched this pre-election, um, and I think it was a good introduction, not necessarily to Stacey Abrams, although we're all very pro Stacey Abrams again. It, um, but to it's a good introduction to how the vote gets suppressed in this country, and like. The kind of Byzantine dumbass laws that get enacted in states. The blue laws. To kind of like... Not blue laws, but... To kind of make it so that you can have these districts that kind of cross states diagonally and what have you. uh, So that you don't get too much of the black vote in one area. You get a small pocket of black vote and then like a bunch of white rural vote to kind of cancel out the black vote. Um, That's hard to explain, 
Um, I remember reading like a really good New York Times Magazine article about this like four or five years ago when well, I think maybe I don't know this was up somewhere and it wasn't North Carolina because North Carolina maybe it wasn't North Pennsylvania Carolina, maybe Pennsylvania where they were Pennsylvania just, was kind of used as like this hallmark of how bad I just I remember that like there, gerrymandering of voter suppression yeah North North Carolina had this horrible gerrymandered district that was like squiggly and like scaled the whole like you know state and it and it and it like from top to bottom but it was really narrow and it was just like this and it was just you know just kind of explain that and how it and again this is one of the things I feel like we talked about this on the podcast and maybe I just talked about it to myself because I'm going insane is that like the Republicans are so much better at organizing lawsuits around this shit so they've had people working in these states for years just suing the shit out of everybody and anything just to get people to not vote or just to push people into not voting and this is a good introduction to that yeah exactly um I think I think it does a good. Yeah, I don't know exactly who the audience is because I think the people who are going to even think about watching this are people who are already kind of leaning to the right side of things. Yeah, um, I didn't like I, the right side, meaning the correct side, not the wrong side, which yeah. is the right side. Um, so I don't think it's going to reach a lot of people. Like the entire, I think the, the, the shocking moments in terms of like the decrease of the black vote from like sixty percent down to like three percent or whatnot mm-hmm. are aren't going to like stun somebody into changing their mindset. Um, right. It's, I guess it's good as like the continued rallying cry. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess whatever these Keep things can up. do to yeah. kind of like motivate. Yeah. I mean, cause as they say, you know, like whatever you can do to motivate turnout works. Um, yeah. I, I just, I just think from a film perspective, um, I enjoyed it cause I enjoy the, the subject matter mm-hmm. and the history behind it. But from a, actual production standpoint it's a little dull it's a little not dull it's a little just a journeyman it's a little kind of it's doing its job paying by it's, numbers yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's every kind of um hbo mid-2000s documentary you've seen well it's the phoned in alex gibney documentary where you have like a lot of good footage mm, and yeah, you have yeah. a lot of good people talking about something but there it doesn't have anything super interesting to say that you haven't already heard already if you've been paying attention Which is to what's happening because like liz garbus did like Bobby Fischer against the world and what happened to Miss Simone, which mm-hmm. kind of do like interesting things. Yeah. And, and they work at times and they don't work, but at least they're like trying something. She's been new. nominated for two Academy Awards. Yeah. I mean, and she's this, not nobody. I mean, I guess, I guess if the intent is not to just not to reinvent a wheel, you know, it's fine. Right. Um, and what I think it is, I think, I think in terms of like doing this style of documentary, it excels at that, but it's not something you go to for like, innovation well and i think it's i i think it's all part it's campaign oriented there's not it came out on purpose you know what i mean it was made on purpose it was trying to show something very specific at a very specific time to have a very specific effect but again like you the, said the i think bezos the, machine of getting trump yeah, out of office the problem is that the people that are looking for this are gonna watch that the people that want to believe in this stuff are going to watch that the people that don't want to believe in this stuff are going to rent dinesh d'souza's newest film um, which I watched the trailer for by accident the other day, and it, I, I these people must just be nuts because the clips that he was showing of people being fascists weren't that. So they might just he must just have stopped trying to like, or maybe he doesn't even know what fascism is, and he's just showing clips of CNN, and he's just like, if it's on CNN, it's fascist, even if they're saying something that kind of agrees with. Donald Trump. I, I just got to the point where I just consider them non-humans. Oh, yeah. Well, Dinesh so. D'Souza hasn't been a human for a long yeah. time. 
Uh, but yeah, no, I think it's worth a watch if you just want to like convince yourself you're still on, you know, the round. Here's what I'll say: is it's, that it, it really does a good job of, you know, creating the uh, the 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 platform by which Stacey Abrams yes. gets to stand on for a national yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. I, I also heard her parents are so youngish looking. That's surprising to me. I, I mean, Stacey Abrams is just kind of like everybody's hero at this point. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, I think the thing that I would say about it is that it's not subtle. It's just, it yeah. is what it is. And you either like it or you don't like it. Blah. I think the interesting thing about our next documentary, which. Um, well, really quickly. Yeah. Can, can we. Yeah, yeah, go I, I just really hope when Brian Kemp loses badly in 2022 is embarrassed and has a fatal heart attack i'm not wishing death on him but you know no i hope he survives for a long time i hope there's like a i hope some like i can't name a political cartoonist makes a cartoon of like him on the back of a pickup truck Mm. that's getting carried away yeah 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 oh man i hated brian kemp before that but like i never looked into his like political ads and i was just like oh wow i really really hate brian yeah brian kemp is Total fucking garbage. Yeah, go um, fuck yourself, Brian Kemp. I mean, I'm sure he would because it's, you know it's probably one percent would fuck him. You could take you know DeSantis with you, and you guys can both fuck yourselves together. But he doesn't count as a human being. Brian Kemp's still a human being because he's making policy decisions. Rick DeSantis is making policy decisions, isn't he? Oh, Rick DeSantis. I thought I thought you said this. I was thinking DeSantis. Sorry. Oh no no no. Yeah. Rick Santorum. Rick DeSantis. Dinesh D'Souza, Brian Kemp, no. all go fuck yourself. We can keep Rick Santorum because, like, of just the sad oh, face I know. realization. Uh, but that's what him. memes are for. We can all we can <laughs> look at sad Rick Santorum memes all day. Rick Santorum can stay as like our jester, as <laughs> like our punching bag. He he took his flogging really well. He makes uh, a lot of money doing. Yeah. it. I'm sure he's happy. Yeah, we, me and my wife talked about that too. Like the amount of money he must get paid to just like sit next to Van Jones. <laughs> And get fucking destroyed. The one thing I'll give to Rick Santorum is he has moments of, like, realization. Like, after that first debate where he's like... Nothing I could say. We had to win this, and we did it. Yeah. Um, Rick Santorum's a relic of the past. Poor Rick Which Santorum. was 2012. I just love Rick Santorum because he was... Well, he wasn't a senator. Or he's a, con- was he? he was a representative. But he wasn't, like, forever. He wasn't even for very long. No, but he, he just, like, gained notice because he... Was a slight front runner for like a month. No, oh, didn't know he won Iowa. No, he was he was a senator. Yeah, senator of Pennsylvania. He won Iowa, Did, didn't oh, he? Did like he? barely. Did he win Iowa? I thought he just like or he maybe he came in third in Iowa and people he, were like, "Holy shit!" He had a solid showing in Iowa. Go 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 to our next movie and all. So what I said before was that this movie is not subtle. Um, all in is not a, is not a subtle film. Um. Our he next... won Alaska, Kansas, North Dakota, Mississippi, Oklahoma, and Tennessee. It was pretty good. No. Rick, he did it. No, Ron Paul went Iowa, it looks like. Did Rick Sandhorn get third? We've already shot the bed with this podcast. Yeah, Mario. no, it's mine. Uh, Rick Sandhorn <laughs> did get third. Yeah. <clears throat> Wait, no. Rick Sandhorn won Iowa. What the fuck was that saying? Okay, we're moving on officially. <laughs> okay. now. He won it by... 39, four votes. I think Rick Santorum is actively, like, accessing your computer and, like, manipulating the data <laughs> as we're looking at it. Oh, so. So we, we speak better of him. Um, our next film is subtle, I think. I think, anyway. In that it seems to be about one thing, but is actually kind of about um, uh, a couple of different things. Um, this is 
the film I Am Greta. People always tell us that young people are going to save the world. But there is simply not enough time to wait. The fallout from climate change. The impacts could be catastrophic. All of this with the global warming, it's a hoax. It is the most pressing issue of our time. You have to go to school. When it came to the climate crisis, I saw my parents were just like everyone else. We weren't doing enough. For many years, people refused to listen to me. Children were very mean. But I don't care about being popular. I care about climate justice. She felt she had to do something, and she had to do it on her own. Is climate change an issue that children like herself should be concerned about? You suffer of Asperger syndrome. I wouldn't say suffer from, but I, I have it. When I get interested in a subject, I become laser-focused. There's a real movement that's growing. Greta comes up on stage, she speaks, and her words are devastating. My name is Greta Thunberg, and I want you to panic. Ooh, I know. She's... If you haven't actually seen her, like, speak before, because I don't care... I mean, I care, but like, I'm not looking. And I want to talk about this too. I'm not looking for idols or anything like that. So I, I've was I haven't sought her out. Um, she's in, she's impressive. Um, the Greta in question here is Greta Thunberg, um, the uh, the Swedish teen who kind of captivated the world for uh, a few years ago um, by first going on these silent strikes um, in Stockholm and then getting invited to different conferences, uh, climate change conferences all over the world, and where she would rail against, you know, uh, politics as usual politicians and tell them how disappointed she is and about how the youth are going to have to kind of pick up the pieces that their dumbasses um, have left in the wake of their their horrible climate change denial and um, all the shitty things that they're doing. And in, in turn, it kind of starts a movement. So it goes... It's about a three, th- almost a three-year period. It shows two, like two year. Yeah, it's like 2016 to 2018, and kind of climaxes with her speech it's at the 16. UN. Yeah, it's her first thing okay. was 16. Yeah. Um, cl- so so it's in 19 then. Okay, so it climaxes with her. Her kind of climaxes with her speech at the UN there, um, where she sailed across the Atlantic in a boat because she didn't want to. She didn't want to fly, and um, you know, um, so it's about her. In in a lot of ways, it's a pretty serviceable-ish documentary. There's a lot of uh, travel footage, like a lot more travel footage than probably a, a normal documentary would in, include of just her and her dad sitting on trains, going to different places, moving around, sit, you know, unpacking hotel, like, in you know, hotels and stuff like that. Um, what do you say? No, I, you know, I agree. And I, but the one thing, the one thing I do appreciate about this, and once again, I find this to be another kind of journeyman um, documentary, is I really wasn't expecting how much it would deal with like the emotional toll at all. So that's her. right. So that's kind of where I find that this movie does like something different than the other. Um, then, all in. all in is that I kind of talked about this a little bit last year when we did our best of the year list, and there's uh, the Diego Maradona documentary that came out, and he just died this week. Um, that came out last year on HBO, 
kind of did something similar to what I think this movie is doing is that it just pretends to be a movie about Diego Maradona's life and like, oh, he's a soccer player and this is him playing soccer and isn't this great. Um, but in reality, it was kind of a movie about myth-making in the sense that like it had all this footage of Maradona, but it also had this kind of narration. I can't remember, was that your best of the year? It was my number two. two? Okay. It had um, this narration that he was doing about like, you know, what he how he was feeling and what he was doing and whatever. But it also has all this footage of concurrent, like... Was this an HBO documentary? It was HBO, yeah. Okay. It has yeah, all this footage I'll of... that later. Of, um... Like, what's actually... What was actually happening? So he was saying that he was, like, this king and blah, 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 blah. And there's all these... There's all these shots of Maradona looking like he's gonna die. Like, not because he's, like, hopped up on drugs or anything like that. Because he looks scared. Because he looks like disinterested because he looks bored because he looks you know there's all these other emotions at play other than the thing he was saying and so it kind of it's it kind of creates this narrative thunderstorm in the middle of the film where he sees stuff one way and the camera sees stuff another way and i am greta i think kind of operates a little bit under the same um pretense in the sense that it's supposed to just be about Greta Thunberg, climate change activist. But it ends up being about this girl who has um, Asperger's syndrome, who, because of her devotion to this this cause, finds herself pretty stuck between wanting to be a regular kid and whatever she feels is like her cultural necessity to be. Or that what the culture seems to require her to be at any given moment, to the point where she ends up getting on a fucking boat and like sailing for two weeks two weeks or whatever i mean it might even been three weeks but i think it was at least two weeks through fucking storms and she's crying and she's keeping like a phone diary because you know she you know she can't see her dogs and she has all these very rigid life rituals that she does every day and like things she will eat that she won't eat and all these things that she has that she requires and she can't do any of them she's giving up her whole life to just yell at people at the UN, all the while knowing that like, it's she's not even really doing it for her. She's doing it because everybody kind of expects her to do it, even though she feels super passionately about it. I felt I found the documentary like very um, fascinating because of that kind of not even a juxtaposition because it's like trying to juggle these few balls in the air. At the same time, and it just becomes it's a, it, it makes it a much richer documentary than just like this is this is this girl this is what she believes yeah. in isn't that interesting? It makes the climate issue have more impact and urgency when it's saying like how much it's devast how much not devastation how much of an in, how much of a, a, a immediate impact it's having on one life. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes, yes. And, and you know it's it's something that has kind of been told. You know, climate change has always kind of been told in this sense of if we don't do something now then this will happen Mm -hmm. and this kind of does a good way of framing it by like hey you know even if this one person's taking like this one person's taking it on like like this is just a sample of what it could do Mm -hmm. um i mean i do enjoy the fact that like it it does dwell slightly into like her having a sense of belonging and whatnot to Mm -hmm. a degree like it seems like tries to cultivate like friendships and relationships around uh the one the one belgian kind of uh, teenager mm-hmm. that kind of becomes like her friend mm-hmm. um you know it, it cultivates that but it also like really heavily dwells into like this girl has like lost her kind of childhood on this pressing issue mm-hmm. and it's like 
and it does a good job of like through her words claiming like many people are going to lose because she's coming from a place of extreme privilege and like it doesn't yeah. deny that. No, no. Like, it never she's so tries, self-aware. Yeah, it never tries to like get rid of the fact that she's super privileged. Right. It says like there's many people who are not who are also like teenagers or younger who have their childhood stripped from them because of the fact that, you know, increased temperatures and every and droughts and whatnot and disease um, are impacting their lives. And you right. just don't hear from them because they don't have the platform by which she's been afforded. Right. And it does a really good job of humanizing that. Right. And I think the other thing that it, it, it does, a yeah. And she's, because of her self-awareness, when she's yelling at people, like, how dare you do this stuff? She's, you don't get the impression ever that she's talking about herself. No. You get the impression that she's speaking for all the people that don't have the platform that she's been given. And what makes it frustrating is that it, this film really frames it in a way when showing the faces of the people clapping that they're not listening. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, totally. But I think the thing that I find, the other thing I find fascinating about this, I don't know, so this week is, is if Maradona just died, you can kind of trace what week we're talking about this. I have no idea when we're going to air this. Um, this is the day after Thanksgiving Day after Thanksgiving 2020. Um, one of the things I've been saying a lot recently, as hopefully I've been... when we put this on, we're back in the Paris Agreement. Yeah, well, that'd be that'd be nice. I, mean, I assume it, the second Biden steps in, that'll be his first thing. Um, there's he has a lot of first things. Um, that's a probably a, probably should be the first. Thing. I think it's because I think it's the easiest thing yeah. for him to do. Yeah. Um, and I think he's probably already done it. He's already the, his team has already been in contact, and that's you know he's already signed the document. They're gonna be like, oh, he signed it. Not that it means anything. Not that it means anything, but it's symbolic. It's not like Brazil or anything. Doing I've been the phrase that's been coming out of my mouth a lot recently, Mario. Is I can see it's I can see why someone would be a Republican. And when I say Republican, I mean like a Trump Republican. Um, and the reason I kind of said that is because the reason I've been saying it, and like the, the thing that kind of catapulted me into thinking about this stuff is that um, this medical journal released this study about like vegan diets and bones okay and bones bones like in bone health and so like the new york times and cnn just kind of you know their science reporters just kind of like picked up this thing and they wrote this story about how vegans have bad bones and then i did a little research into the study and i found that like the study is you know funded by this one company and one of the uh chair people of that company or, or organization is the head of a meat lobby okay so i and so i and not even not even that so that like reeks of conspiracy and then conspiracy i put that in quotes and then i posted something on the new york times comment board about like just follow the money guys like it's you know study like citing it like here with the links here's where the um you know here's where the study is blah 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 because the New York Times like um, vets their posts, they they don't just put it up. My post didn't make it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I called into question like I'm assuming like the veracity with documents, not just opinions of this thing. This is something I've, I've kind of become an opinion of when there was the was it the the one Florida paper that did like this the investigative journalism on the Florida town that's basically owned by Scientology, uh, Clearwater. Clearwater, yeah, yeah, Like, I can't remember. It's a Tampa Bay Chronicle, I want to say. I don't like know. Like, their Pulitzer Prize winning thing. Like, I respect news media then. 
I'm to a point now where if I see an article about some reporting on something from a study, mm-hmm. I immediately disregard the news article and go to the study. Go question. to the study. I, you can find them. Everything's you... filtered now yeah. by what it's no matter what side you're on. Yes. It's filtered by it's I mean it's it's always probably been this way. But luckily for us, when we have access to basically everything in the world, Yep. As, for, as a first world nation, Mario. you can go like, I don't need to have this explained to me. I can look at the source and come up with my own opinions based off of it. Perfect. But we have all of this access, okay? But even people on the left are hungry for whatever reason. I wonder if you have an opinion on this for their own version of Donald Trump. So Greta Thunberg is... is, is sitting on street corners in Stockholm, Sweden in 2016, and then two years later, she's arriving in a, at a port in New York with fucking thousands of people, you know, wanting to shake her hand and chanting for her and, like, sitting on shoulders and, like, okay. taking pictures and... Yeah. No, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, I don't want to get off topic. And, like, all... But even... Not even that. Like, when she shows up in Paris, when she shows up in, in, in Belgium, when she shows up in all these places, there's just thousands of people that are like, Greta, I love you, Greta. The... We make idols of people, like, so quickly in this... In, like, in this world. But, like, in this country specifically, we're just, like... We're just dying for people to tell us how to feel and what to believe. And what's what weird is our... it's not been Tom and I yet. Guys, come on. Get feel on like it. it. I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. Maybe this beer isn't as good as we think it is, and people are just like, oh, "Those guys have bad taste in beer." It's, it's once we stop doing beer reviews, people will like it. Will will become world famous. Um, no, maybe this Rick Santorum thing will really catch on, and people will be like, "Those guys, the way that they propped up Rick Santorum is good." <laughs> um, but I think that was the other I fascinating thing about show? this documentary is that, and I don't know if it was intentional or not, is that the way that like she ju- just went from a girl who was, like I said, sitting on the street to this celebrity, yeah, like but like but beyond the ending, celebrity, the ending like a, of it, she's like a, like a, a pop guy. No, at the end of it, she's like a pop star. Yeah, but she's when but she's they're treating her like a guru. You know what I mean? Like well, yeah. she will tell us what to think. But and I was even, like, but she doesn't even. I don't even get the impression that she knows what to think. She's just like focus on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like look at the look at it. And be rational about it, and you can't mistake the data. Like even, like even she says things that like, or you look at it and go like, as a teenager, like you're like, this is a teenager. Like I can't understand how a politician doesn't know what the Keeling curve is. And it's like I'm sitting here going like, I could because a politician has to know like tens of thousands of things. I hope our politicians would be smart enough to be like, I don't know what I should do about climate change. Well, they Let have talk someone some... that works for yeah, them that knows exactly. what that is, but. Like, when she's saying, like, a politician doesn't know exactly what this is, I'm like, yeah, that's a lot to expect of a politician. Because, like, there's moments there you can look at that and go, like, oh, she's still a teenager. She's still somebody who's, like, I'm focusing on this one issue, and I don't understand, like, how these people aren't also focusing well, in on this. And, right. Which, it's, it's, a, it's a pertinent issue that only has one right side. Right. Clearly. Um, and I think that's what she's saying. Is yeah. that, like, there's no other way to think of this. No, but, like... What I'm just trying to say is, like, early on it kind of establishes, like, I don't understand how they don't know what this is and this is. And it's like, I can understand why somebody might not. They shouldn't also have an opinion on it until they've been informed. Right. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I do think that's interesting how it does go into this, like, idolatry of, of her. An idolatry of kind of, like, just, just a status of how people just want to gravitate around a person 
Well, I just felt so not bad. Even, it's like, yeah, not even an idea anymore. Like, we don't gravitate around, I, I guess, we're, have we ever gravitated around ideas? I don't know. Probably. I don't know. I mean, I don't think we've been alive enough to, to, to know that. Maybe we have. I don't know. I can't think of one. Fred Thompson died too young for me to <clears> gravitate around. Well, I just think that, like, even... <laughs> I just wanted to even, drop, uh, drop a Fred Thompson name. Even, ah, uh, I love Fred Thompson. I not, mean, I not don't. political, like. No, but, like, just as, like, a cultural figure, he went from Law & Order, like, DA to just, you know. From Die Hard 2 to Law & Order DA. No, because he was doing Law & Order, like, the year before he ran for Senate. Yeah. But, or is but it Senator Die Hard 2 got know. him Law well, & Order, I think. Maybe. I don't know. Fred Thompson's great. I mean, he's not. He's dead. But he's great. Too. Um, but I just found it fascinating. I found it fascinating how quickly we were just kind of... How quickly these people were just like, you are our, you are our leader... Please lead us, and then she's, she's just, just like, like I've no, no, I'm not. Oh no! What I was gonna say is that like she's just spent two weeks on a boat, and I felt so bad for her because she can't just go take a shower. You know what I mean? She can't just go get some food. She can't just be not on a boat for like a day. She has to shake a bunch of people's hands. Yeah, she's crying. She has to take a bunch of selfies. She's crying several times, very earnedly. She's got her so fucking tied to the inside of a ship because it's just rocking too much. She's yeah. like, I gotta go do this. I gotta go out. There's a fucking storm, and she's like, I gotta go outside because I'm gonna th- be sick. It's just like, she shouldn't have to do this. But they, those people standing on the dock, fucking demand that she do it. They fucking demand it. And they're supposed to be on her side. But that's, that's, that's where I am. And no, but I think that segues, segues. Yeah, that works. I'm fired up now. I think it segues. Really nicely into our our third movie here, which uh, is a very complicated movie in a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of ways. In the sense that it's about expectation, and where we all expected, we all expect Greta to be one thing, and maybe we're surprised when she isn't. But I think Greta's nature is that she's just going to be that because she knows she has to be it. Um, this other mo- this next movie is about expectation as well, and it's about the expectation both of uh, the 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 subjective view of the people involved in the film and what they just kind of expect people to understand and do, and. It's also about the expectations of the viewer and what they know and what they understand about the world that this film takes place in. And it expects that you feel the same way to kind of get the same thing out of it that that they want you to. And that film is uh, the feature... I think it's her first feature, right? Garrett Bradley? The first directorial feature of Garrett Bradley. It is called Time. My name is Sybil Richardson, and uh, my family is awaiting on a ruling regarding my husband's matter. I was just wondering if you might have any information on, like, an update on it. No, we don't have anything yet with this on Monday. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. This is Sybil Richardson again. Uh-huh. Where you at? No, we don't have anything. Alrighty, thank you so much. My twins will be 18 next month. 
They have absolutely no idea what it means to have a father in their house, what fathers even do. Hello. Did you get any word from over at the big house no, today? Didn't say anything yet. Nothing yet? No. Okay. You got a chance to call today? I have not. No? Okay. Man, these people have no respect for other human beings' lives. No matter how sane or how understanding you try to be, it just will make you lose your absolute mind. Success is the best revenge. Success is the best revenge. You're gonna show them that they can't treat human life this way. Success is the best revenge. Just hang in there, because when you get them home, they're gonna God pay, they're gonna pay, they're gonna pay. All right, so I do this thing at the library when I do my library podcast where if somebody has written like a really good description of something, I just read the description. I don't worry about trying to, um, you know, uh, Tom, like describe it on my own. Tom, you know what you should do? What? You should read Richard Brody's description oh, of it. Oh, I think I might. I think I might. I trust Richard Brody. He's a good guy. Wait, Is that what you're thinking? That's what I was thinking. I got it do right I have here. Do I in line on you? You do. I oh think you do. Oh, my God. I mean, it's about time. It's about fucking time. So Richard Brody writes in his... Um, uh, uh, New Yorker review. He writes, Sybil Fox Richardson and uh, Robert Richardson, who in 1997, when the clothing store they owned in Shreveport, Louisiana... <laughs> you were rushing. Photo of it. I was, yeah. Um, ...was in danger of closing, took part in a bank robbery. She was in prison for three and a half years. He was sentenced to 60 years without parole. The Richardsons are black, and Sybil took a clear and furious note of the cruelly excessive sentence that Robert received and of the racist basis for it. After her release, she devoted herself to raising their six sons, to restarting her professional life, and to working uh, for the release of Robert, all while video recording her family life as if preserving it for Robert to experience when he got home. Um, I think... Redo that because you speed through the beginning of it. No, okay. um, I think one of the things. So, just you know, to give people a clear sense of if, if they haven't seen it yet, or if they're they're you know going to us for whether or not they should see it, or what to ex- or they're they're looking for us to tell them what to expect. This film is told in a lot of a, a found footage kind of way. You know what I mean? So, they, uh, Garrett Bradley has taken those tapes, and she's taken some new footage, um, impressively. Sh- Shot footage and, and yeah, because she filmed it from basically the point where he was. In, he, she wasn't. You said she wasn't imprisoned. Well, so she gets a she because she was pregnant. Yeah, she doesn't get imprisoned immediately, so she doesn't go to jail until after her twins are, I think, two. But maybe no, no, no. Maybe the twins are just born. Yeah, and that she's talking to her eldest son Remington. About having to go to jail, and she was she didn't think she was going to have to because she had these new babies, but they made her go anyway, so she had to go for three and a half years. So we're we're chronicling it from basically two thousand one. I think so. Two thousand nine. I think around so. that period of time. Well, so this is one of so the it starts things, with we're guessing early digital cameras, right. and so this is one of the things where I I think this movie leaves a lot of questions. So you wonder while you're watching this, you wonder how she's getting this footage she's clearly taking it of herself but she obviously has some kind of a handicap with like a flip screen so she can center herself she's always centering herself it doesn't i mean it doesn't really matter i got why she was doing it um but when you're watching it you just want because everything is on film you just want to know 
the process through which she got her whole life on film. Especially when you're a film podcast. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that brings up is that there's this movie is very impressionistically put together. The timeline of this is fairly loose when you're watching it. Almost fluid. It's yeah. It is hard to tell um, when. It is hard to tell sometimes where you are in 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 the timeline. Um, she men- Richard Brody mentions her having six kids. Um, she mentions herself having six kids, but you only ever meet four kids. And there's a they show a picture of the family at one point, and there's only four kids. Um, she definitely has six kids, but well, it's, it's, but so what I'm saying is that it's and maybe it's not important. I think that's one of the things that I want to talk about later about like the nature of this, the subjective nature of this movie, and not subjective for me, but subjective for her and her family. You know, I, there are I suppose some facts that run that are not counterintuitive, but like are just kind of not. There are facts of her life that are not super important to understanding the nature of what Garrett Bradley is trying to do and what Sybil. Richardson was trying to do in trying to get her husband released. Um, um, to the point where make watching this film is is a lot of work. Did you find that like no, you were it's, doing it's a, a lot of work when you were watching it? I'm going to be honest. There's parts I, I fast forwarded through. So that's why I was like, I don't. When I said I don't remember her going to prison, mm-hmm. I, I assume I fast forwarded through it. Um, well, because, because it's 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 a lot of lifting for. Once again, material, I'm already on the side of. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know. None of this none of this works for me, personally. Well, so just, just the stylistic choices. Um, the My pen broke. Overall focus of the film isn't somebody I find particularly interesting. It's somebody I particularly want to follow. Um, and... It isn't enlightening in any way, and I just kind of end up going. I, I kind of just just tuned out. It's a movie. It's it's probably since we've started this podcast, it's the movie I've most tuned out on mm. from like the word go. It's it's so it's weird because when I first saw the movie, I was I found it very moving. Um, I noticed a lot of its kind of not deficiencies, peculiarities, peculiarities. It's quirkiness. It's very yeah. quirky. It seems yeah. like yeah, it's a way quirkier the... movie than it needs to be. But I, so I I wanted to do it. It's and the topic is so significant and so it's so present in like our culture now that I wanted to not just kind of. I think in the same way like the Greta movie and I am Greta and All in One is that if you are all of us, All in One, All in, um, if you are of a certain political disposition, you just kind of agree with the general idea that like. Maybe 60 years for robbing a bank where I guess nobody died? I guess? No, I would assume. But it's hard to say because they don't ever bring it up. Um, is excessive? I mean, it's the South. I, I assume that whatever it is is excessive. Uh, sure. Um, I guess the one liberal perspective I need is like acceptance <laughs> of the South. Yeah. I'm not willing to. <laughs> I'm, that's my one prejudice. My one giant prejudice. Um, did you just timestamp that in your? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> okay, I'm thinking because I think this movie just is. It brought up so many. I so the next day, me and my wife watched it, and we were both very moved by it. And then the next day, we just started talking about it. And we were just like, "But what about this? And what about this? And I didn't understand this. And why wasn't this explored more? And where is this? And to the point where, like, I guess 
I guess almost 20 years is too long to be in jail. But is it? Like, I got the impression from Sybil that if they gave him... That if he was in jail for 15 years, then, like, it's 14 years too long. And if he was in jail for 10 years, then it's 9 years too long. And if he was in jail for 5 years, then it's 4 years too long. They just explain their, like, the... the um the nature of their crime or the uh, the impetus for their crime and that like we were desperate like to keep our business afloat because I didn't want to fail at something. As a viewer, as, a, as someone who's not involved in that situation, it doesn't feel like enough of a reason to rob a bank. And I think where this movie is hues towards the specialness is that it's just complete and utter subjectivity to the participants. So it's literally, real fast, it is literally the only person that Garrett Bradley cares about is Sybil Richardson and Sybil Sybil Richardson's family. They're the only people who fucking matter at all, which is fine. But it leaves the viewer feeling weird. Like, I don't... I don't get the impression that she's like the, that Sybil is the best narrator of her own story because it's so subjective. And I think if they gave you a little more objective detail of what happened, it would be much easier for a viewer to kind of uh, wrap their head around like some of the larger ideas that some of these reviewers are talking about in terms of like race, bureaucracy, the corporate prison industrial complex. You know what I mean? And none of that stuff is there because Sybil's not talking about it in those terms. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a really personal story. It's a really individual story. It's a story without a lot of background into what the actual crime was. And the the issue, I guess, with Sybil is is there's there's a lot of like theatricality to her personality. Um, has has an individual. She's she has a very kind of like forward sense. There's a lot of. Um, repetition to her narration mm-hmm. like she she grounds in a point by kind of repeating it she she has this, this real so it ends up becoming this like real theatrical presentation of her points and as a viewer i end up going like i don't necessarily trust what she's saying i don't necessarily trust her her point of view she becomes slightly like an unreliable narrator mm. what works for me in this film and what i want more of is the kids yes oh my the god the kids are fucking like they're everything s- about the movie they're but they're so not complex. there i want so much less sybil i don't really need to see that much of her i need the, but the kids have like to such complexity and their lives have been shaped by his prison sentence yeah like um is it remington who's like kind of like is it Remington or one of the twins who's who just kind of like is, is planning to like go to law school, go to poli sci and whatnot to kind of like change? Like, that was freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one of the twins. Yeah, yeah, one of the twins. Sorry. Um, who who's like who? And I want more of that. Yeah. I want more of that. Like the the moment where he's sitting in front of the um, like the student center of the debate class, and you know he's getting like challenged, and he kind of like brings up that point. So you want more of this because there's this. There's the real fact that their lives have been shaped by this moment. Right. And, and uh, like Sybil's right. kind of, Sybil's, every time I see Sybil, I'm just like, I'm seeing her point of view. Right. I'm seeing how it affected her in the sense of her life doesn't feel shaped necessarily by it. 
it feels like this a launching point. Like, well, so that launching point sounds wrong. Here's it feels like there's there's a lot of her personalities came into this moment and changed from that moment, but these kids are shaped by it. I and think I think there's much more impact on focusing on the children and focusing on the fact that like this injustice and we can agree because it's the South that it is clearly an injustice because oh, fuck the South. It's a, but um, I think it's an injustice, global but injustice. it's an injustice too from the sense that like you can look at when Robert gets out, he didn't like become intelligent because there's a fucking camera on him. You know what yeah. I mean? He clearly didn't go into bank robbing to like wreak havoc all over the South. He was not a danger to anybody. Probably he's probably more of a danger to himself than he ever was to the people in that bank. We'll never know because we don't get really any perspective but Sybil's perspective on it. It's definitely, there are definitely people who would have never robbed a bank had we had a government in place that supported small business. Sure. I think what you said, though, is so fucking gold star, man. Is that gold stars? uh, Don't go through. Five gold stars. No, no, too many. Too many. You're you're delegitimized. Just two. The kids are clearly shaped by the situation while she is shaping the situation. Mm. I think the movie would have been better served to be more, a little more tightly structured to kind of accentuate both of those concurrent paths that those, those like people were on. Um, and how it's different, how the, the specific ways in which his imprisonment has affected these you know, Sybil yeah. and then her kids. Yeah, especially. But, you, but I, it, I'm going to say this. It's all so mixed that it's really it's not kind even of hard mixed to tell. though. We we follow mostly Sybil, and I'm going to be honest, I don't like her. Like, like there's, and this is like a personal kind of like thing. Like her personality doesn't gel with what I'm. It, it's such it's such a, like a, a a particular personality. It's not a wrong personality, but such a particular personality that's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah, because it's just. It's just this, like, tonality and, like I said, theatricality. And I don't think there's an issue with that. But I think we need to see various different points of view of how so many lives were shaped by this one shitty, awful, bureaucratic, racist, Southian. We call it, this is my new term, Southian. When or Southern. Or Southern. No, Southian. <laughs> Southian's going to be my term for when a political decision is shaped by just everything that's wrong. It's going to be called Southian. For I'll, let's call it Southka. For the last. It's a combination of South and for Kafka. The, for the, yeah. For the, Southka like, Kafka. But Kafka would have just killed himself. He wouldn't have, like, killed a bunch of No, but it just gets people. really weird. Like, it, you can do all the right things and you just kind of get. Listen, but I think for, on this final run of the podcast, I'm just going <laughs> to shit completely on the South. Okay. Um, you know, I'm fine with that. We should only drink Southern beers. <laughs> I just spit them on my floor. This is Miller Lite. Um, I think what you're saying, you're, you're, you're being so weirdly astute here in, like, talking about a movie that you seem to have kind of, like, resisted and not even resisted in, like, a bad way. I think what you're saying, though, is that we don't have any context for her personality. Yeah. And I think the movie is suggesting that there is one. But we don't get to see it. She just shows up and on screen like, this is me. But from the nature of the movie, it would, you'd have to argue that it isn't just her. That, like, because of, the na- because of the nature of her life, she's had to adopt certain personality traits to get by. 
to 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 sell her message to people about like you know the corruptness of the the prison industrial complex um to kind of steel herself against that complex but you don't get any of that she just exists and it's the same thing with the kids so like in that one scene that you're saying and that was the scene that I took away too um I took away the most from in terms of the kids is that Freedom is also like that that woman off camera is challenging him. But Freedom also seems to not really be listening to her at all. And that he's just got a bunch of talking points that he wants to hit and he's going to hit them and he's going to like smile and say the right things. He's already developed into like a politician and he's 16 years old. Like not not just like a like a like a pseudo kind of like Politician, like someone who's been in politics yeah. for like fifty years, and is just I need to say these things. I need to get. I just need to get out of here with my job intact. Um, I don't think that that's true of him, but from the little that we're given, and this goes for everybody in the film except for Sybil, but I think we're only given a little bit of Sybil too. Is that we are. We're we are kind of left to infer for ourselves who these people are and where they come from in the forces that have shaped them into who they are. Yeah, the film doesn't seem to want to do any of that work because because I think Garrett Bradley's so obsessed with telling this really kind of. I don't want to say impressionistic, but this really kind of loose narrative that mm-hmm. kind of defies documentary conventions, which this movie does. Yeah, um, but he's not. She. The, she. What was it? She. Sorry. She's not the filmmaker. Apologies. Uh, enough yet to do that. Because mm-hmm. um, you have to have control of a narrative strain. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about what a um, imposter. Is that, is that the movie I'm thinking of? The documentary I love from Imposter. Maybe Imposter. I can't remember what's called right now. Let's look at something like Walter Beshear. Yeah. Something easier. Um, a looser narrative uh, documentary. That does a lot of flourishes. Um, but ultimately, when you dig down into it, it has the, the framework of I am Greta or all in. Like there's, a, there's, a, a real, there's a real consistent narrative to which we expect documentaries to have. I, when you dig down all of this, Ends up becoming loot. It, it 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 becomes so muddled. It's it's well, it's because it's there's noise. nothing. There's so much noise in this movie. There's no foundation. There's no narrative through line that's providing a foundation or like a real structure to this, what yeah. can you can still have an impressionistic style movie with a clear narrative through line. But I don't understand exactly what in Louisiana law is causing all this. I don't understand in like, right like right. The, the closest thing I get is um but the security not securitist but the the phone company. Mm-hmm. I, I'm searching for it throughout the entire movie, and the closest I get is like when the phone call cuts off because of the private phone, uh, prison phone thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, like I'm searching for like I'm like that's the closest I get to it. Right. So, but my, I, there's no like narrative framework by which there's some sort of like, um, not adjudication, but there's there, there's no narrative framework by which there's some like through line by which I can find a policy background because this is a movie that would demand a policy like but the policy is all has to be done after the fact and so that's why I'm saying I think this movie wants to be solely and totally subjective of the Richardson family but it leaves it really pushes the viewer I think very hard away from it so when Richard Brody says that like 
Time goes into the intricacies of the family's bureaucratically nightmarish and financially ruinous confrontation with the judicial system of the normalized horrors of incarceration and the destruction of family life that that entails and of Sybil's activism. It doesn't go into the details of any of that yeah, stuff. You have, to take, ass- you have to take external right. knowledge. You of, are assuming yeah. all of that stuff is there, which it is. But it it's is, not but, in the movie. Yeah, we have to assume that because we... As liberal viewers have not knowledge of it, but we know what's happening. Right. But a movie should kind of define at least a little bit of that. Well, it's the thing, and it doesn't have us. to dig into the. It doesn't have to dig into like the background of like how the laws got written and stuff like that. But it would be interesting for us to have a clearer understanding of what it is she's up against, other than the fact that he got too many years, and he's black. Yeah, I get that stuff. I get it. You know what I mean? I to- I totally fucking understand that. What else? Because you are selling me on this movie of these all these unseen forces kind of coming out. Well, what are those unseen forces, and how specifically are they affecting your life? I can assume I'll, I can assume anything, but you're leaving it. It's just it's too baggy. By the end of it, it's too baggy. So like, when he gets out, you're so you're happy for him. But you also are just kind of like, what did we learn? Like, I'm not sure we learned anything. We learned that this sucked for her for a long time. But it's it's but never it's the, never presented as... A, if it was presented as, like, a microcosm of one family's struggle with this without, like, dwelling into the policy, that would have worked. But there's a lot... Like, there's a lot of moments in this film that deal with Sybil trying to, like, address the bigger issues at yeah hand. yeah yeah but had it been like her and her children and her struggles she has to get rob out that would have worked but take out all the shit of her talking to the churches about like everyone else dealing with this and well that's and i also would think that like if she's it clearly is it clearly is hard for them but i think a lot of people would argue and maybe i'm one of those people like to a point like he did rob a bank, it's maybe supposed to be a little hard for you, just like it's supposed to be a little hard for him. Well, I mean, who's to say how hard it's supposed to be? I keep forgetting be? I'm much more liberal than you. <laughs> but it's but like, <laughs> would you well, argue? Would you argue that he shouldn't have gone to jail at all for armed robbery? And you're gonna, I'm gonna make you. Give me a reason why he shouldn't go to jail. I mean, hmm. I don't think she should have gone to jail. I think they could have given her, if you know, if she's only serving three and a half years and she just had kids, maybe five years probation. If she fucks up, like she goes in. I believe our the way our structure of laws written is too rigid by which we define punishments and should be more loosely defined by circumstances, because of. I feel the like fact, you have that written on a wall. No, I'm just thinking about this because of the fact that. People commit crimes based upon a variety of circumstances because of the failings of our current system of law. Agreed. A hundred percent agreed. I think there should be but punishment, not punishment, there should be correction based upon it, but I do feel it should be a more fluid system of correction. Sure, sure, sure. Again, well said. That is not on that is not on the offing here. 
There are no solutions offered. Well, because that, that's a crazy thing to say, because I don't think anybody... Well, some people no, but say they that. Are, but that's the whole idea. I think, when, I think when people talk about, like, defunding the police, I don't think most people... You know, I don't speak for the people in the Pacific Northwest. I think most people are saying the idea is not to get rid of the police. The idea is to kind of restructure what the police means and how it operates. Well, it's and like, if it means that they don't get $5 billion a year to buy military equipment, then they don't get $5 billion oh, a year God. to buy military equipment. And I, and I hate and I hate when we do this. Um, do you actually hate when we do it or do you secretly love when we do no, it? No, I'm, I'm just saying uh, policeman holding boulders. Keep talking because I want to I want to like fill in this while I like, So the point this, this that I'm thing. making here is that like when we talk about prison reform, we're not necessarily talking about like people not going to jail anymore. And which is I'm not saying that like um, Robert Richardson should or should not have gone to jail. I think based on like our current, you know, uh, the way we do punishment and stuff like that, I suppose some jail is in the offing here. But I think to your point. And what the film, I think, would argue with you is that because of the nature of his crime, if we were really looking at, like, if if the if police were really digging into or, or detectives were really digging into the nature of the crime, or even, like, um, forensic psychiatrists or something like that, I don't know, we're digging into the nature of the crime and who committed it and under what circumstances and all this other stuff, they talked to the person, they had him evaluated, blah, 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 blah. What are the odds that Robert Richardson goes back out into the into the public and robs another bank or this escalates into something else if we were providing these if we were providing uh the bottom rung of our society with the appropriate safety net so that they didn't feel like their only option was to go out and rob a bank would he rob a bank again the answer is 100 percent no i think in this case yeah and and the, the cartoon i'm talking about by the way is this uh neil scorpion cartoon which is he's just a freelance animator i thought he might have been attached to one of the newspapers but he talks about defund the police um i'll post this i guess on our twitter but uh do it it just shows like a police officer carrying like the gang violence and drug possession homelessness domestic violence keeping the peace and eventually the defunding the police thing says like eventually the police officer is carrying like the burden of keeping the peace yep and all these other boulders are kind of being distributed amongst social services absolutely um you know, corrections to that's, housing and urban development. And, and that's, that's where, what defunding the police is saying. Like, yeah. we don't have to pay the police. We don't have to give law enforcement as much money because we're improving the funding of other things and decreasing the workload by which a police officer needs to have. Because the, the solution which to is all these way, problems is in the police. And also, the biggest solution to everything is the fact that re as a society, still believe that people have to have, like, this multitude of work that they have to do in order to be functioning members. But spoilers, technology has made it so we don't have to work as hard. But guess what? Technology has also made it that people that normally wouldn't have an opportunity to get work can do work. But we don't let them do work because that would be them getting too high on, like, the cultural food chain or or whatever we want to call it. How dare that happen? Yeah, exactly. And so that's, I think, my point here, I think, Mario, is that we're... That's my name. We're both... We're both, we both have these viewpoints. I'm not sure, and I think the film would agree with these, our viewpoints, but I have no idea where the film wants us to go as a society. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not saying I, It anything. doesn't care about, I mean, I think the film ultimately doesn't care about the society. It really only cares about the Richardsons, which is fine. 
but present yourself that way. I think so. I think it's problematic to show her fighting the good fight for everybody while the film is only showing us this one thing. Yeah, exactly. That's a weird place to leave it. I mean, I think it's really worth a. I think it's worth a watch because it's such a unique. Film. It's worth a think. Yeah. It's worth a think because it's not going to answer all your questions. It's going to leave you with way more questions than you had going into it. But you might also—it's all, also something that a lot of people are taking a lot of different things from. And they're all—I and think they're all fair. right. And they're all valid. And they're all valid questions. Yep. And they're all questions that should be fucking asked of a society. We're just as Americans, we've gotten really good at not asking or talking about or thinking about the necessary questions. By the way, you asked a question early on in this podcast. In the beginning of this podcast, uh, HBO just debuted the Mystery of D.B. Cooper documentary. Oh, yeah, I don't I think that. that's political. So, All right. We'll have to check it out. HBO, you, you did it. We'll have to do another 2020 non-political docs. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, if you want to talk about political docs or non-political docs, you can tweet us at Film Pivotal. Uh, this is how excited I am. Or to you be doing go to Pivotal Film Podcast, uh, or you can write us at pivotalfilmpodcast@gmail.com, uh, or you can go to pivotalfilm.com. Yeah, Judicial Watch keeps sending. How how'd that happen? Why do we have so much Judicial Watch things? I don't know. You're the one that looks at the email. I can I can never remember to look at it. Oh, I just get notices on my. I don't know what happens there. Um, go to pivotalfilm.com. There's a list of the movies. Um, I got to update it at some point. Uh, I've been doing other stuff. Maybe I'll get to it in December. Um, and the list of the beers that we drank and links to how to subscribe to the podcast some and are, to our some, Twitter. When we, when we finally launched this episode, somebody laughed one. <laughs> December, the good old days. Yeah. Oh, Jesus um, All right. But until whenever, um, go see movies, drink beers, and we'll talk to you next time.